Hello and welcome to the Swan Song Project podcast. My name is Ben Buddy Slack and I'm the founder of the Swan Song Project. We're a charity that helps people face the end of their lives to write and record their own original songs. If you'd like to find out more about the charity, you can check out our website, which is swansongproject.co.uk. You can also do so via our social media pages, which will be in the description of this podcast. The podcast features songwriters and I have a conversation with them about, about their music, we talk about one of their songs and how they wrote that. Uh, the show is a songwriting tip that might be useful for new songwriters, and we also talk about a song that's meaningful to them in some way related to bereavement. This episode features Lorraine Lucas, and I hope you enjoy it. Okay, today I'm here with Lorraine Lucas. Thanks for joining me, Lorraine. Pleasure, Ben. Yeah, I'm looking forward to talking to you. Um, so if anyone has seen these podcasts or listened to these podcasts before, you know, we do them in three sections. Um, so first, we're going to have one of my guest's songs. Uh, we're going to chat, chat a little bit about how they wrote that. Then section two, Lorraine's going to share with us a songwriting tip that might be useful for other songwriters. And then section three, we're going to talk about songs meaningful to Lorraine in some way relating to bereavement. So uh, I'll ask you to introduce your song for us, please, Lorraine, and then we'll hear that. Yeah, that's, it was such a, it's like, what song will I choose? And that's one kept on coming up. So one of the things that we do, I run a songwriting festival, and one of the guys who, who um, is one of the tutors on there, Arnold Sebastian, he's also involved in a, in a, in a project that does uh, songwriting for mental health, stuff like this as well. So Arnold is one of the um, our tutors, and, uh, and he did a, a singing circle, this idea about, it's not about singing, it's about making noise together and resonating. And, and I was intrigued by it, and uh, and it was so moving. Uh, and the feedback from that was people wanted to do more of that. Um, so I'm being local to to me, who's one of my neighbours here in County Quarter, but they live. So we start off a group on a Monday, and we run a couple of sessions down there, and, and then lockdown came, and we, we started to do it online. And I was like, how is this going to work? And, um, and at that time it was like a hard lockdown so we were just really at the beginning of it and people were saying we, we need the connection more than ever we really you know we're all feeling as if we're in, in our own purpose space and, uh, and that first session was really quite emotional and um, because it was like really connecting and thinking wow this is so powerful uh, you know people were crying and, and it was because of the connection and Arnold had us doing a meditation and he was saying that whenever we get especially with COVID and, and it's out there and we're fighting to breathe. More than ever, we're shrinking in. We're, we're really making ourselves quite small and that's, you know, to, to be in that kind of place. So he had his opening up our windows and uh, because this was like early springtime, it was dark. And just to connect with the sky, that there was something bigger than us out there that we weren't feeling this kind of small way. And we all did that and we did a meditation. So we were, we were just making a noise together um, I can't remember what it was, it was a Japanese phrase that Anna had. We were all doing this together and one of the girls that was in the group and, um, and she was saying that she goes, I really need that because it's like regardless of whether we're, we're separated, we're all breathing in the same air. And that was a link that kept on coming back in there, but how mm-hmm. wonderful that we are, like, if, we, if we can remember that, if we're feeling small, connect with something bigger to that idea that's like beyond beyond the star the sky is the stars and be bigger and bigger and bigger and creating a sense of space and uh, and that gives us a connection it's not for other people but it's with the universe that we're all part of that and we are all connected 
So that was the thing about Becca Sorrell. It was really a gift for Audrey um, because she gave that, that line that she thought was amazing and also the sentiment of that group. Mm-hmm. And I thought that is a message that at this time that if the song gets shared about, people just remember that. So is that the title of the song? Is um, We were all breathing the same air. Yes. Great stuff. So we'll hear it now and we'll have a chat more, a chat, uh, chat more about it afterwards. <laughs> great stuff so that was uh, we're all breathing the same air by Lorraine Lucas yeah it's a really nice um, story about how it came about and uh, yeah it makes a lot of sense and I think that's a good a good message for people to remember as you say especially feeling a lot of isolation at the moment um, is that something you do a lot with songs where you have like a, a line and a, a sentiment behind it and build the song from there or is that a different way of working for you and um, but actually I want to before I move on with stuff like that I want to ask you the name of the Project that your friend does and the name of the songwriting festival that you're involved with? The Living Words is the name of the, the project that Anna's involved with, with uh, Susanna Howard. Cool. We have a festival called the Normal Festival of the Brain here, and they did a, an amazing project, and it was about uh, people who were living with Alzheimer's and also in dementia and their families as well. So, you know, there's, there's some great stuff, and I know what the, the Son Swan project is doing too. So. That was the first time that these guys and, the, and the, they'd be taking and going into institutions and into care homes and 
and, and having stories that there was going to be something to remember, you know, and, and getting people to talk about mm. memories and, and, and the joy of all of that stuff. So Anna and, and, uh, and, and Susanna, um, it's the living words, and they have different themes that might be about suicide as well, people who have survived suicide and, and come out and, 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 and they're stuck with that as well. So that's... It's a, it's, a, it's a wonderful project. And, um, yeah, that sounds brilliant. Project. Yeah, and the, the, the songwriting, folks and songwriting festival um, is, is what I do in October time. And, uh, and that came from my friend Finley Napier, who he is a, a song, Scottish songwriter and he set up Glasgow Songwriting Festival. And that's my geeky thing that I do, club, club, like, 50 to 75 kind of a thing like that. We have these weekend, geeky weekends for songwriters resident on the highlands and things like that. And uh, and I loved it. I loved the format of having this festival where you didn't have to write, you didn't have to um, play an instrument, you could have the stories and other people put so collaboration. And I thought I said that that's something that can really transition well. So he's early tutor. But asking about the um, what comes first with that with that song. Sometimes there will be a concept and a line um, that, that really kind of hits home and it's powerful and it's quite profound. You know, there's that thing that's in there thinking, wow, that that statement. And I think like there's all of the other padding that goes round about the likes of that song. And I guess it could probably be all be the same. It could be like a mantra that you could put over music and some kind of a meditation without the explanation because we all get that, mm. <laughs> you know, what that thing is. Um, so sometimes it will be about that, so then I'll mess about with that and, and it'll just come, it'll start to take on almost a melody in itself. Um, mm. So that's, but the more that I've done these songwriting workshops, because as a songwriter, I was boring myself. I pick up the guitar and I would be doing the same chords and the brain was just automatically muscle memory going to the same places. And it was for years and I'm going, it's the same, somebody said, it's like the same, the same, song there's different words but with the same yeah, you know, yeah. Melody, because I didn't know familiar it. with that feeling myself <laughs> yeah you know so I started to pick up all of these different approaches by doing the songwriting festivals doing weekend workshops day workshops and it's all about as many different tools uh, that, that we've got in a bag just to get started on there you know and, and that's what I realized so sometimes it will be melody first I'll be you know like la 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 and away or I'll I'll just be strumming and then I'll go somewhere and my phone is <laughs> just full of um, little sketches of melody, little lines, and, and I capture all of that. And I might forget about it and then I'll go back and have a listen and think, oh, that was a keeper. You know, that I should really do something <laughs> with this one. And then I'll go back and work at it. Good stuff. So um, with this song, then you had that idea. And then did you, like, ha- what was the process like for, yeah, I was thinking it's fleshing it out, you know, when you have the idea and the concept. And then you've, you've got to write the rest of the verses and that stuff. Did you, um, was there a set way you did that? And is that with this song? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to remember what I did with this one. Um, I think I probably hummed this one. I think it was one of those ones that was, and, and but it just goes like the la la da 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 da. And that was, uh, it was almost like kind of a flowing in there. And then the visually, so sometimes it'll be like a movie that's running. And it's just a case of being able to kind of catch that. And I remember Dylan saying that, like, it's almost like um, painters, somebody was saying about when you're painting, how can you not just paint what you see? You know, mm-hmm. wh- wh- why can't you just do that? And Dylan was talking about it's the same thing. You know, if, if you're looking at a situation in there, all you're doing is you're just sketching that and capturing that moment. 
Uh, and that was it. So I had the memory of us at that time with that line of orgy. So it really was about putting that as a document, mm. uh, as a record of that event. And we're talking about making our records. And I was talking to Boo Hurdeen at one of his workshops before. And I was talking about my first album that I made. It was, it's really special because it was it captures a time whenever we were all up in this caravan. Um, in the back of Kent with Paul Clifford too, he was a good Tanya's and he just happened to be down here, an amazing guy to work with, really creative, you know, mad kind of a percussionist that was all about sound effects and, um, and, and I had a handful of songs and no idea what to do with them and they all came to life up there and it captures that winter of me and Paul Clifford before we went back to Canada and my, my uh, uh, collaborator Paul Fitzgerald just all been up there and we said yeah it's a record you're making a record it's a document and the penny just dropped about what making a record does it's about capturing a moment in time mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah you know so that's what that song was that 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 song captured a moment in time that that special sentiment that as was about early lockdown early covid about people about us all connecting and how much we all really needed that so visually, it came to me, I was there with the stars and looking beyond and, 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 and being able to kind of put that stuff out. And that was one of those ones as well that it just happens. It fell out, with it, it comes over the hill. It came up and it went over and it just came out in there. And then after it, I was like a channel. And I and feeling that and thinking, all I'm doing is transmitting. I'm transmitting what everybody in there was just kind of putting out and then being able to say to them, um, this, is, this is what I've done from that night. You know, as, as your gift, thank you, Arnold, for hosting the session, and thank you, Audrey, for giving us that wonderful line and having the courage to be that vulnerable and say, because she was she was so moved, and we were all really moved about that that notion with it too. So that that was a, a special song, and I think the sentiment for me that, that was there was was because of that. Um, mm. And those types of songs come along every now and again. Yeah, you think, yeah, that's a that's a keeper. Yeah. I really like a lot of what you said there. I like the, um, yeah, that it's kind of capturing this special special moment. And I was thinking in terms of if you went to something like that where it's a group of people that have been involved with a particular thing and that finding a way of capturing it and everyone has their own methods of capturing things. And obviously you as a songwriter, then you can use, you know, your tools as a songwriter to like, let's capture this moment in a song and someone else was visualized, they might have done a painting from it. And, and it's creating that, like say that, memento of that occasion that can mean a lot to people and uh, carry on and one of the things what <laughs> what i was thinking about when you were talking then as well is the thinking of albums as a period in time and a, a a record of that occasion it's something i used to get a lot like as you get better as a musician it can be difficult to listen to your earlier stuff you think like oh why yeah why wasn't that why didn't i do this there where you know like because you didn't technically know how to do it at that point. No, it didn't occur to you. And yeah. trying to then be like kind to yourself about like, that's what that record is the best record I could make at that time with my abilities and the situation I was in. And it's, and that's, that's what it is. It's, uh, yeah. And the, the sentiment of it, because I love that album and there, there's so many bits in there that, that was not perfect. And we recorded it on tape, the first album, Love's Executioner. So we were all skin, you know, and and as well, and, and Paul Clifford keep a bit of tape, and it was like the old uh, uh, video tape kind of a thing, and it was like it says you've got like the, we've got the best of two takes, <laughs> <laughs> so we had to be on it, you know, and all of that is all captured, but there was something about that, and then it was like okay, is it good enough? And then we were having to decide because we weren't doing the the digital stuff with it, the, the digital that it was um 
can we live with the sentiment over perfection? And that was a decision. And that's why I love all of that. That, that time, there was a real emotion that was attached. And, it's, and Paul, he, he really uh, is a perfectionist banjo player. You know what the banjo's like? If there's one note out, it's like, oh, <laughs> it's really noticeable, especially on those uh, really kind of a sparse, uh, melodic kind of things. <laughs> And, the, and I laugh about it, and every time it comes to that bit in there, so even like the imperfections have got all of these kind of sentiments attached to it, and, and I think that that's it's lovely to be able to have that. Absolutely. Yeah. Here we were as novices, being coached um, and, and uh, nurtured by Paul Clifford for us to be able to make that first album. So yeah, it is, you know, like, we can forget that, that how beautiful the sentiment is in those early... Yeah. First open stages and things like that. <laughs> yeah, and it's just it's just like a certain magic about that innocence. I was reading um, Mark Lanigan's uh, autobiography recently, and it kind of like a lot of I find with lots of memoirs and things like that, it kind of they don't cover the later stage as much. It's more about the you know the formative years and things like that. And I think what he said is that and like I really love a lot more of his later albums. I mean I love a lot of his early albums too, but I was I was kind of really looking forward to hearing more about some of his later albums. But what he said at one point was you know his recording process. Uh, got a lot easier because he knew what he was doing a lot more and he kind of he knew how to create the songs he wanted to create and so I guess then it becomes kind of less interesting in a way to write about it's like well I, I wrote these songs that sounded the way I wanted to sound I went and recorded them <laughs> you know whereas the yeah, early days yeah. where it's like I didn't I was trying to figure out what I was wanting for they're the interesting stories um, so imagine an artist like that is writing it from this is what people are most interested in because these are where the that magic was happening where it's like we're figuring this out and so and so did this and this is where we first tried this and realised I could do this and yeah, yeah, it's the magic, isn't it? And I think that's the thing about, that's why I love collaboration. Mm. Because collaboration is something that, that gets still gives the magic for me in there as well. I've, I've by chance met up with a guy who lives in Hampshire. And what's made it possible is because during COVID is we, we can bounce stuff back up. I sent him down some sketches, same again. wasn't intending it to go anywhere. Just like me with the guitar and the voice and saying, this, is, this just came out in here. A couple of days later, well, he's bounced it back, uploaded it on uh, Logic, worked on it, and, and I, I was just like, wow. You know, and that's so, and he's a, a completely different genre from me. You know, he's a bit kind of Tom Waitsy, German, kind of a crowd, rocky, uh, electronic kind of a stuff in it, and that's it. When I send stuff, and I, I can't wait to hear it's going to come, come back. So I think that that's the important thing about it didn't want to make the album with the guys that I'd made the last albums with, not because, but I, I needed something different for myself as a songwriter to be able to have this, the unpredictability of production, you know, having to know, okay, I've got, I've got the melody and I've got the lyrics, let's see what we can do musically with it to, to give some life into that. And we're talking about perception, whether it's an artist or whether it's a writer. It's that collaboration and everybody kind of bringing it in that I would never think about. That's, mm. that's so I'm loving, I'm loving doing the, the new stuff uh, during lockdown. That's great. Yeah, something that's good, kind of comes up a lot on these podcasts is the importance of collaboration and um, and something else. You do this one song, it's kind of always a big part of it. And I think there's a um, again, it's, it's mentioned it's kind of embracing a bit of vulnerability. And I think a lot of the time it's you know it's then being able to share ideas. With other people and yeah about somewhere without that worrying that like this this idea is you know someone's going to mock it or something like that is sharing it and then seeing what direction they take it in yeah. and what, what i always say to people in swan song is 
no other combination of people are going to write that song. Whoever you're working with, like your ideas combined with someone else's, like there's no other way that's going to happen in that same way. Somebody might write a similar song, but it's not going to be the same. It's not. And, and that's the thing about when we're looking at, you know, for, for us that are, that are recording and putting it through PRS and things, it's about, it was Darren Smith who, um, and Boohoo are doing it run the, the Scottish week that I go to as well. And they were saying it doesn't matter whether someone's given a line, it's 50-50 because the project would not be mm. without that influence. That, that song would not be there without that line or whatever else that goes on in there. Yeah. And that's it because it's acknowledging that everybody created, honouring the song actually rather than the individuals. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what gets it? And it's true. And what one of the things I love about working with Neil, that, um, that's on the production and doing the music on there, is because of that, he is so vulnerable in terms of his, he's, he's, a, he's competent, but he's, the confidence, and I said, I really like that vulnerability because if when he sends something over, it's like, am I on the right track or am I, am I going to, and like, I absolutely love it, just carry on, you know, like mm. go, take it as, whatever you want to do it, and then we can always edit it down if it's not, but, you know, and, and I really love that, the idea about being vulnerable and taking it in there and, and also being open for, and that's one of the things I've got better at, I guess, for myself, co-producing now as well, is like realising that it's not personal, it is mm. about the phone. And if I'm saying I don't like that, it's not about you. <laughs> it's about yeah. <laughs> and once we can get that, we can get ourselves out of the way. And yeah. I'm saying, so it's about the vulnerability and all of that. We put the ideas, but whenever we're shaping it, we're, we're trying to bring out the best in, in both of that to, to make that work. And that's certainly for me, taking the criticism was a really difficult thing. Um, yeah. That, that never been good enough, the chicken or chink that a lot of us that are writing and creating have got in there you know yeah and I guess that's something that you develop over time like when you're because part of it is the relationship with you know knowing the other person is on the same wavelength and is you know is also thinking of it in terms of the song so I think that's that's the worry people might have at the start is uh you know this person's you know looking you know, wants, want, want more of their ideas in it than mine so shooting down my ideas or anything like that so yeah. part, part of that I guess is if you've got a, a relationship with someone that you know you kind of trust but I imagine the more you do it, the more open you get to that as well. So when you create with someone for the first time, you're not worrying about those things. You're just kind of mm-hmm. happy with it. But that's a muscle like anything else that you develop the more you do it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think and that is a, that's a confidence kind of a part on there too as well. About, and for a long time, I, I mean, I was, I'm a latecomer to, to making music. It's you know, something that I didn't start doing with time until I was 30. I'd been writing, always writing since I was a kid, short stories, you know, it was often my little kind of a fantasy land that was in there. Um, never had any proper music lessons, you know, all of that kind of a stuff. So I always felt less than mm. in my bands, never felt as if I could contribute, I'd be lost in the language, you know, all of that kind of a thing, you know, but I kept on doing it. And, and as time has gone on, I picked up on the job is it when it, and, and now I do feel as if I, I, I know what I, I might not know the language I've got better at that certainly you know I've put myself forward for for learning as well and put myself into all of that that um where I'm thinking well I know what it is that we do and I just didn't know what it was called yeah. <laughs> that was, that's what that means I thought it was something really you know beyond me then you go that all about the time and that's all that stuff so the more that I do that, I know what I like and that as a confidence to be able to say, I, I know what I can hear mm. and, uh, and being able to compose and being able to compose and, and the likes of um, breathing the same air and thinking about um, where that's going to go next and being able to hear which strings 
and be able to hear the wind. I'm there even though I'm just playing my guitar and I can't do that, but that's that the wonderful kind of a thing. And then being able to think, who can I bring in? And then people say, well, I know who we can bring in this, or do you know anybody that actually plays the cello? Yeah, I know somebody, or we can, and that's the great thing about that network. And mm. uh, yeah, so through time, the confidence. So yeah, I think in, in one part, we can lose something, the vulnerability that we had at the beginning, but also in terms of there's something else that opens up at the same time. If I allow myself to yeah. carry on with that. Yeah, yeah, that's brilliant. Um, I've, put, I've put links to, is that, the, uh, your previous albums and that first one you mentioned available online somewhere? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm so bad at doing that, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, just, I've, I've just got my Facebook page, which is Lorraine Lucas Music, that's okay. on there, on Insta, Instagram as well. So um, I'm, I'm on them, and, and usually what I do is I just I post them out to people, but you know, uh, I, that's probably the, the thing that I don't do very well, is I don't, don't promote myself. It's just a whole other skill set in this. <laughs> no, I know there's yeah. a point in it. So, so yeah, but that's people hear it and then just Google me and and, uh, and if they're interested, they'll send them a CD and post. Cool, people check you out that way if they uh, want to look into these albums. Um, let's move into section two, shall we? This is where I ask my guests to share with us a, a songwriting tip that might be useful for new songwriters. So, I mean, we've had quite a lot of kind of tips in that discussion, haven't we? But is there a particular tip that you'd uh, like to share with us, Lorraine? One of the best things that I learned was what we are talking about earlier on about with a guitar and then how that muscle memory will take it to the same chord progressions. Mm-hmm. And the first songwriting workshop that I did, it was, it was uh, I think it was a two day, it was two days with Boo Hoodie. Same again, everybody's going to be better than you. Yeah. All of that kind of stuff and I had to give myself a talking to, which was just go to learn. You know, you don't have to go to impress anybody. Mm-hmm. Remember all of that. And uh, so we all turns up with our guitar cases and we're in our, our semi-circle and booze sitting there. And and, uh, and we didn't even pick the guitar up probably until late on in the afternoon session. And it was probably the most revealing thing that, that he was saying. He says, like, we work from melody. That This is it. And, and, and I had thought that, again, melody was something that I was never going to learn. That they had to do this, these were certain things that people who played in orchestras knew and, and all of mm. that kind of stuff. And and then he was talking about the first three notes. So it's either ascending or descending. And Boo was AR for can't remember who the label was at, at the time in there. So he, he said, I'm hearing it. I came in on a Monday and I've got all of the tapes. It was all in there. He says, and, and that was the thing that what is, I'd be listening for the sometimes it could be the first two notes that hook me in and then starting from that and then you can predict but that was working from that melody line so it was about the melody that people will remember ultimately sometimes you'll get the real good hook but sometimes it's about that and that was the thing that is and then it was like the pentatonic so you've got you know you only want it from five notes la, 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 up or down and, it, and it's like it's kids can do this this is what we do with kids but yeah, somehow it becomes this really complicated thing. And that's all it is. And just mess about with those notes going up and down as you're trying to create some kind of a melody line. And that was the thing now, if I'm sitting in there and being able to do the la-la-la part, that, that we can all do that kind of a stuff. And then once I've got the melody, thinking about where is the chords going to go. So it was layering that, getting the melody line first and then putting the chords and then there is something that the lyrics in meter, you know. Uh, so that that idea about a framework 
was um, I didn't know how everything was all, you know, like the rhyme on the, the two and the four, the two and the four, and that, that done my head in as well. <laughs> and then understanding about what is a meter? If Mary had a little lamb or a limerick, it's the da 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 and then writing to meter. So in terms of there's two then. So one is it's one tip's about writing doing the music, which is about working from from that the the, the first three notes. And then for the writing part will be about the meter. So that's if I could put two tips in there, that would be one mm-hmm. one for the actual the, the lyrics and one for, for the melody. That sounds really good. I really like the difference just focusing on those first three notes and um, that just, yeah, it feels, cause as you say, I think like with melody, I think it's kind of, it's very easy to try and overcomplicate it. And like you say, it is just, it's just hitting these notes in the scale and it's kind of, but it's, you can think of it as, it has to be much more complicated thing and it's just choosing those ones that you like. Um, mm-hmm. So with that, in that workshop where you just, just like la la la's and things like that and just playing around with different ones until you found one that you liked and then. Yeah, again, and there's the things like, uh, there's the, the chord wheel. It's where you come across mm. the chord wheel. And the be, circle of fifths one, is it? Yeah, but that, it's, it's like, the, sometimes it's how far you can move away from your root. Mm. And like, like somewhere over the name, somewhere, da da, you know, the starlight, starlight. And it's, and it's like, so the ear's going, whoa, because it's not going onto that, you know, like the, mm. the third or something like you're in, where you, the, the ear's going, and it's just that thing that can give it. And then bring it back down and how beautiful we can create those interesting and it's the push and pull. To me, it's, 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 it's endless, the fun that can be had just messing about with all of that stuff. But the first one that I wrote from that perspective was on that weekend. And it was one of those things that was in the morning before we were going. And, uh, and I was in the room and, and uh, so there, there was an idea about the story that I had kind of mulling about for a while. And, and then those, those first couple of notes came, and it was the, I think it's on my last album, it was like the opening track in there, Women Like Me. I've got the la la da 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 So then you've got just got the variation on one line, and then the second one, you're just moving the note on the melody to give it that, the rise and the kind of a fall on you. And I really love that song as well, because it was the start of me really looking at your opener in mm. there. You know, just sometimes there's no music, but just purely, I got to do. So yeah, that so that that was a, that was a, a a real game changer for me that weekend. Learning how to write from melody, working on those those three notes, and then just getting the lyric, bang, bang, bang. Hmm. Can I ask you how um, how you find lyrics coming when you've done it that way? Like, do they come easy, and do they feel like there is there a do they just you know emerge when you go from humming to singing it, or do you like think this sounds a bit like a song about this, or do you use I, I, when thinking about it? So I've done it before where I've tried to write some music, and then I've had a book of lyrics, so I've gone back to my book of lyrics and thought, oh, that might fit with this, and then tried to merge them. Or other times where I've been singing and kind of like humming and stuff like that, then just letting words come out and then be like, oh, that's interesting. What, yeah. what, where would that go? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and. The idea about having like a daily practice, getting up in the morning, or, or daily fun, you know, for me, it's, it's, it's <laughs> that, you know, pick up the guitar, put the kettle on, you know, and sometimes I don't even get to making the coffee because I've been sitting in there and something <laughs> and, uh, and what a great way to start the day. Uh, so I'll do that. And um, and again, it's another kind of a boo uh, in Darwin Smith thing. I've, I've made it was fun, I can't remember. But one of them was talking about that, that 
whenever you're working on all of that, the brain's already remembering it. So subliminally, all of those little sketches, the brain's, it's, it's there and then the lyric comes and all of that stuff that is in the, the library <laughs> actually comes out and it's almost like an unconscious process that, that is actually, that's happening with that, that as I'm writing in here, the, the music, I'm, I'm hearing and I'm feeling the music as I'm actually writing that lyric. And, and again, like that, but it's about waiting for the magic to happen. Be ready. Mm -hmm. well, if we're doing all of that and we've got these little melody sketches that we can play about with, and we have got like the kind of chord sequences, we've already got the music that whenever the lyrics in there and we're, we're getting the meter, or then I'm working the meter and I'm working the melody and the meter and to fit the story. And it's, it's all of these challenges in it. It's like, mm. like almost like pseudico for the brain with the song, yeah. right? And sometimes we just need to kind of a shimmy it along in there. But that, I think like that's it about writing. What, what is the rhyming? And, it's, and it will just literally come out, just those, keeping it really simple as well. Mm. And, um, yeah, there's no, there's, it's weird, isn't it? Sometimes it's um, trying to force it. My problem, I think, before was always trying to force it. And it wasn't happening, and I, and I guess that's what it was. It was like because the more that I do it, the easier the, the in flow, and the, the more kind of a freeing that that kind of a stuff is. Definitely, but like yeah. just now, I haven't, I literally haven't picked my guitar up for maybe about a week, and that's really unusual. But I know what I'm doing is I'm observing, and I'm doing things like that, and then I'm sitting on the beach, and then a song comes about, and um, Meet Me Down at the Rocks, that was a new one, so we'll see that, Meet Us Down at the Rocks, and um, Where We All Go Swimming, so that was that was another one that I was messing about with, and I sent it to the swimming group, and uh, one woman, I was telling her, her son had had got a drone and was all going into the sea, and I said, that's funny, because I had written a little song, and I was thinking about getting a video, but it's all running into the water as well. Mm. And uh, and I sent that over, and that that just kind of came out as well. But obviously, I've been meditating on the beach, and I have been observing and taking all of those little images in unconsciously. And then when I picked up the guitar, and and then out that song fell as well. So that was that's probably the most recent one that I've done. Yeah, yeah, so interesting. And I was just thinking there, like, you know, the more you do songwriting, I guess, the more you can appreciate all these different elements and the importance of each one. And that, like, you know, some so like you say there, like at the minute you're kind of aware that you're on this. Um, a bit of a you know idea generating experiencing kind of bit and then you might have a part where you're working specifically on meter or specifically on on melody or chord structures and you know like when you first start it's just like oh, the songwriting you write songs <laughs> and um, then as you get like and so some people might be really good at melody and not, not as good at lyrics some people are really good at lyrics and people are really good at meter and some people yeah it's like there's just so many different sections that you can be a specialist in and develop um, tools in. and it's something what I think um, comes up a lot with people who you know, might say they're not very good at something, but like actually they're really good at, at melody or they're really good at writing a good hook, but mm -hmm. they, they don't think they're good because they're not as good at writing lyrics. And it's like, mm -hmm. and that's again where the magic of collaboration comes in when you get someone who's, mm -hmm. who, you know, you can tick all those boxes um, to come together with something. Yeah, and it's the same with music again. And, and you know, I'm really honored that I'm, you know, the people that have met in this journey and, and who go into my life. And, and then the, the bit that, I, that I'm not good at in terms is, is the musicianship. So, um, and hearing them what they come back with that as well, you know, they've been really clever with their notes, whether it's on the guitar or on the piano, uh, and creating that, what the riffs that they'll bring in or whatever else, you know, and that's the stuff that, that is like, oh, I love it, absolutely love all of that yeah. kind of stuff. So 
I know what my strengths are, but I also know that that's the, that I really I need the kind of the musicians to to do it. You know, sometimes if I'm gigging them, I can do it. I can strip it back, like the what I sent over as well. I can carry it. Something if the song can carry itself, whether it's stripped back acoustic, whether I can sing it even a cappella without any instrument, that it will be a stand up. You know, that that's another one. There's something that's there with that. Um, but equally, that's uh, the kind of part whenever, and especially playing live and. And you're hearing the the effects of Pat Keneally that I've been working with, the percussionist, and hearing him, you know, playing on the, you know, his, his uh, the, the, the symbol, you know, that I can't the big symbol <laughs> with the hammers, and you're getting these kind of a crescendos and and these shrills that, that come up, and it, you know, that's the thing about really bringing the song to life, and um, doing live as a as a whole other, uh, yeah, experience. Yeah, yeah. So there's elements in it. Some people are really good studio musicians. Some people are really good live musicians. Some people, yes. There's just all these different areas, isn't there? Yeah, that's great, Lorraine. Um, let's move into section three now, shall we? This is where I ask my guests to uh, share with us a song that's meaningful to them in some way related to bereavement. And what I do here is I'll put the link to the song in the description. So if you're watching this or listening to this at home, uh, you're not familiar with the song, you go listen to it. Follow that link. Have a listen. Come back. Um, which song did you choose for us, then, Lorraine? I chose "Death Don't Have No Mercy." which is, um, uh, I first heard John Martin doing that on an album. And uh, and then I'd, I'd heard, my dad was a big blues fan, you know, the old uh, country blues guys, and uh, I think it was Reverend Gary Davis that, that I heard doing it. And then I saw the the video of him singing it after a week. I still don't know who it was that, that had died in there, but there was this old bit of footage and it's uh, Reverend Gary Davis sitting in there, and it's a real dirge, and, and you're talking about the connection as well that, that happens. There's a shared experience that that goes on um, with that, within the you know the, the kind of mourning and the message, and that was death don't have no mercy. You know, it's it's, in, it's indiscriminatory, and it's not fair, mm. <laughs> and, and that's that kind of a thing. And and, and as the lines go on, you know, and um, comes to your house doesn't stay long you know look in your bed and so and so is gone and and uh, and for me that's that thing it's like although it's it's a blues it's a, it's a spiritual um rather than a, kind of like it's a gospel blues and um there was something about that i think that that gives the, the kind of a solace about that that you know death isn't personal you know that death is that thing that that kind of happens and uh, and um yeah and it's it's got it's it's got no mercy, you know. But, mm. but where where we get the mercy is is with each other. That's the kind of a thing. If there's anything that can, connects us, will be that. Yeah, that's a beautiful way of putting it. So yeah, it's a it's a common thing, isn't it? Of people struggling to understand why why someone's gone, especially if it's someone you know take you know gone early or various things. And as I say, there's not any um, there's not any logic to it, and there's no mercy to it. It's just. It just comes about. I really like that. Um, yeah, that the mercy comes from shared the support and the people around you, and uh, and that's yeah. Think linking to those kind of types of songs that they they have such of that collaborative vibe, don't they? Like those old, especially those blues gospel songs, um, of just singing them, people singing them together, and yeah, yeah. That's that shared experience, and I guess like what what resonates with me on that is. Um, the, the kind of the lines in there is, you know, look for me, I've lost, I've lost my mother and my father and my brother and, you know, the, there's, there's been, you know, death has touched me in, in so many 
different areas in there and uh, you know and it's like well who's who's gone next you know and it was they were all sudden you know, my, my younger brother was ahead of another dose so it was it was an instant kind of a thing um my father contracted MRSA in hospital for a minor operation so there was three days notice for that one you know it was like oh that's gone and then my mother it was a brain hemorrhage you know there was instant too in there so it's been one of these things that's like oh and, and in a way you know, there's there's been there's been no no long day, you know, although I guess my younger brother with his heroin addiction, but it was almost like the inevitable, you know. Right. It, you know, there were so many lucky escapes that he'd had and you know, and all of that kind of a thing. So although it was a sudden thing, it was there was something in there that we had lived with the, the reality that, you know, at some time that that's what's gonna happen. Um, you know, and such as that in that way. And uh so yeah, that's um, that that song because it talks about look in your bed and your your brother's gone. Look in, you know, comes to your house looks so long. Your mother's gone. Your father's gone. And and, and that is a you know the death will remove the people inevitably and eventually from our life. If you know at some point we will we will outlive some of them and some of them they will, they will go kind of beyond us. But that is the. Uh, kind of a great truth of it that you know yeah. all going to go sometime we might not know when but we're going to go sometime yeah and we all all have it have our own experiences of grief so even when it can feel very isolating when you've mm-hmm. lost someone um knowing that other people have been through the same situation and again that connectedness of uh sometimes all you need is to hear a song with a lyric in it that mm-hmm. like that someone else has, knows what i'm going through someone else has been through that yeah 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 i've spoken about it and that is the thing. So I had a, a conversation with my daughter because, you know, when I'm talking about my brother and, and the fact that it was a heroin overdose and, you know, and it's about, like, oh, well, this is what happens. <laughs> this is the thing about the shame being attached to it. You know, there's, there's no shame in it ultimately, you know, and honouring, and, and you know, by honouring that life, we also honour the grief. Mm. And certainly too about, um, yeah, about what's going on kind of with, that, with that too. And, because I know my work as a therapist, I work in clinics, uh, and, I, and I work with addiction. And, that, and that's and I was actually working in the clinic whenever my younger brother died. So I'm, I'm treating people that are in there for hair with all sorts of addictions. Meanwhile, I am grieving yeah. in my own way, and, and that was a, that was really powerful. And it was something that I didn't know if I was going to be able to do it. You know, to and I think oh, poof, I'm grieving, and I'm in here, and I'm, I'm working with this. And thank God for my um, clinical supervision thank god for my team that was around about me you know and that team are all long time recovering addicts like myself as well you know who are therapists and we've all been touched by it we've all lost somebody through the illness of addiction and and i wasn't on my own with it and that was a beautiful thing about you know what they work and they were saying remember my supervisor saying what is it that you're worried about and so i said i'm worried that in case i lose it in group and i said like, well lose what and i was like control I was like, well, you know, is it about control or is it the fact that you're a human being mm. <laughs> touched by that kind of stuff? And that gave me permission. The wrong thing kind of had to be, you know, it, and, and I'm glad that I've done that because it, it, it helped. And also with patients who um, who had known that my brother had died as well in there. And it was, and, and I opened myself up to condolence. Well, I'm, well, I'm the therapist. Thank you very much. <laughs> Actually, <Yeah. laughs> thank you. And being able to see that and go, oh, that's that vulnerability that it kind of took me into it. And, uh, you know, so I remember, because uh, I was actually a trainee at that time, and I remember um, 
in my reflective journal and I look back at it and it's like, God, how vulnerable I was at that time. <laughs> Doing yeah. the training through my own bereavement and then working with that and then losing losing clients to addiction as well at the same time. All of these different parallel processes that goes on and kind of touches us and moves us. Yeah, that must have been uh, must have been a hard experience, but it's, yeah, it sounds great that you had the support there and the awareness to to acknowledge it really and um yeah, and, and seek that support. Well, I guess you had that support um, mm. there uh, to access. And, mm. It yeah, was and really beautiful. You know, it was a really beautiful kind of connection. We're talking about the mercy being in all of that stuff mm. as well. It was in there allowing myself to be supported by my colleagues, allowing myself to be open all the things that we advocate with our clients, you know, like to what is your support networks and, and having to practice what we preach as well at that kind of same time. So it was a, it was a really, a really beautiful time as in really fond and tender time as well as being a, a kind of a incredibly sad and, and painful yeah. time but there was yeah. that kind of a, that, that connection of real friendships that, that support us and carry us through yeah sometimes the darkest things are when they, those things are revealed aren't they you can really get a, a deeper appreciation for them and i was thinking as well about the you know that lesson that you've learned and that real lived experience and how that will be then helping you the people you work with and your ability to show that vulnerability and uh, not be like, yeah, I'm a therapist, I don't need, to, don't need this, uh, yeah. being able to be that vulnerable with people who are, who are in, in such need, uh, need of it. Yeah, that was their gift to me. They wanted to offer me the gift of condolence. And it's like, yeah. okay, no, thank you. And that was the thing about that. Some, I think sometimes whenever and it's definitely been an area of growth for me to be able to do, you know, not even with bereavement, but in general in life has been, you know, like the helper. Actually, I'm the helper. I don't need the help. And, and having mm. like, this is a two-way kind of a thing and, and being able to do, I think that's probably the start of that journey about allowing myself to be, to be supported and, and for other people to actually offer some of the stuff that I give out and like, can we give it back to you? And that's that thing. Everybody's just saying, like, thank you. Yeah, if you need, if you need to acknowledge my enough for me, something I'm going to accept that. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful, Lorraine. Yeah, um, thanks for sharing all that with us. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. And hopefully, I'll ch I'll check out the um, I'll try and hear more about that the projects and your festival as well. I'd like to be great to come down and attend sometime if. Uh, we get back to those kind of things yeah well our mutual friend chris martin you know chris is chris was threatening to come down this year but i'm not going to hold it this year i'm going to mm. give it a covid break because it's so unpredictable and, and, and yeah. a stress you know of all of that so i've deferred that this year until next year but yeah chris chris martin and scott was, were talking about coming down they've been down here to folks and done some gigs and they've got the gigs up north and the wonderful kind of a reciprocal world of, of us kind of gigging yeah. sessions earlier so yeah you know it's, it's a great thing it'd be lovely to have you down here then and yeah meet you on my travels whenever i'm i'm up north i've played in a, a portal and later played a couple of places up that way as well the, the gaslight club for gary stewart yeah 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 yeah, yeah good stuff yeah hopefully we'll uh, cross paths uh, sometime in the real world yeah lovely thanks and thank you so much for, for having me on the show it's been a, an absolute pleasure and i love the project but i've been hearing about it over the years and i'm really glad that it's still going on and it's, it's still you know it's still got that purpose that you've got so well done thank you oh brilliant thank you Lorraine. yeah it's been a pleasure talking to you right. um thanks for tuning in everyone i'll be back with another episode soon <laughs>